lesson in many ways is kind of a carryover from this morning. So if you haven't looked at that, you might want to also kind of find that lesson and be able to uh, perhaps watch that after this one uh, if you haven't watched that one already. But this one deals with some of the same types of things, and that is, you know, salvation not just in this life, but in the one that is to come. You know, many times we, we hear the phrase then and now in the sense of how it was like back in the past and what it is like in the present. But what I want us to do is I want us to, to think about and, and to talk about salvation as now and then. And, and by then, I mean in the future. Because salvation is not something that's just in the future, but it's also something that we can experience right here, right now. is very important right now, but it's also very important in the future. Both of those things go hand in hand. And we're going to be looking at a very similar type passage as to what we did this morning. This one is from the book of Titus. So instead of now uh, Paul writing to Timothy, now Paul is writing to Titus here, and he says some of the same types of things, and you might notice that a little bit of uh, different focus is going to be on what we look at this evening, but I mean, for the most part, a lot of this is going to be the same things uh, that we were looking at earlier as well. So Titus 2, verses 11 through 15. The first thing we will notice is the grace of God. Titus 2, verses 11 and 12 read, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. You see, this is talking about the grace of God. And you know, you, you're probably familiar, and I, I don't even know who came up with the phrase, but whenever I think of grace, I almost always think about if you write the, the word grace with one letter, 
uh, for each line, it would it could spell out God's riches at Christ's expense. And that is just so helpful for me to think about what grace is, because it is getting all of these great things, but it's something that God has paid for. God has given us this. In fact, right here, the grace that's talked about right here, the grace of God, it has appeared. How did it appear? Well, it appeared, and what we see that it did is it offers salvation to all people. The grace of God appeared whenever we see what God has done really time and time again by stepping into creation and providing salvation. He provided salvation throughout the Old Testament. He provided deliverance throughout the Old Testament for his people, the ones who were faithful to him, the ones who were going to follow him. He, he promised them that if they followed him, then he would bless them and he would do great things throughout their lives. And in many ways, those same promises kind of carry over for us as Christians as well. And now we see that specifically right here, this salvation, salvation that we experience, it comes through Jesus Christ. And this salvation is not just for uh, the children of Israel, so to speak. This salvation is for all. That's talking about God's grace. See, God's grace, it is such a wonderful thing. It has just really exploded from what it used to be, you know, and at least in focus. The focus used to be so much in the Old Testament on a particular nation, that nation of Israel. But now the salvation, it has gone out throughout the entire world and we see that it's provided to all people. And we also notice that uh, through grace in verse 12, we're able to stand firm. You know, in the, uh, the Bible class this morning, we were looking at putting on the whole armor of God. And you're probably familiar with that from Ephesians chapter 6. But putting on that whole armor of God, you know, as we look right here, it's kind of related to this because the grace of God is allowing us uh, through this offer of salvation, all people, it's allowing us to be able to say no to these bad things and uh, to also be able to continue on and move forward. But see, we can stand firm in this present age. That's what verse uh, 12 is talking about, that we can live these types of good lives in the present age right here, right now. That's what this salvation is about, the salvation that we can experience now. And in the next chapter in, in Titus, in this letter that was written to Titus, we see that he uh, kind of continues on this thought and we see a little bit more details about this grace of God. So in Titus chapter three, uh, this is what we read about this salvation and God's grace and kind of how it's all wrapped up and, and it comes to us. And this is a passage, by the way, that we've looked at um, you know, pr pretty recently, so I, I'm not going to get into too much detail about it, but it is important uh, as you continue on and thinking about how salvation comes to us through God's grace. In Titus 3, verses 4 through 7, we read this, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously, through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. You see, this passage from Titus, it's talking about how this grace and this mercy of God, it truly has given us the salvation, salvation for all. We see that, that how that salvation has come to us. You can read in the pages of the book of Acts, how salvation came to the early church, but then how that church in turn just, just looked at the people around it and continued to spread this gospel message. Well, through this grace, through this plan of salvation that, that God has given to us, 
that was going to come by the grace of God, we can stand firm in this present age. Going back to the main text of Titus 2 again, we see the next thing that we're going to be looking at is this glory of God. Now, I'm going to back up to verse 12 because it kind of builds on each other. And by the way, every time that we go back to this Titus uh, 2 passage, uh, I'm going to bring in the previous verse so that we can get the context of what uh, the current one is looking at. But we're mainly looking at verse 13 right here. But backing up to verse 12, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So now we once again are, are seeing this, this phrase appear, in this present age. You know, when you have a phrase, in this present age, it almost kind of seems to imply, doesn't it, that there is an age to come. Well, we know that there is an age to come. We also see that uh, yes, this glory of God that has been, I'm sorry, the grace of God that has been given to us, uh, that has produced salvation to all people. We also see it's through this grace that we're able to be able to, to stand firm in this present age. All the while, in verse 13, you know, while we wait for this blessed hope, what is the hope that we wait for? You know, we like to wait, don't we? Most of us don't really like to wait. In fact, you know, you kind of see it as you uh, maybe see a child who is, who is having to wait just ever so much for something that is very, very, very exciting. You know, many times, sadly at least, whenever we become adults, we don't have that joyful, excited expectation that, you know, we're just kind of sitting in our seats, maybe just kind of bouncing up and down. Literally, sometimes you can see kids doing that because they're, they're waiting so much and they're just, they're longing for whatever is coming, whatever great thing, at least they think, is coming. Well, what do we see about this hope and this, this waiting that we are called to do? It says, while we wait for the blessed hope, that hope is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be great if perhaps the next time, you know, you, you see a child just, just waiting and just kind of maybe, you know, bouncing up and down, just, just so excited about what is to come. That's the type of image that perhaps we should have whenever we think about the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. When is the last time that you've thought about how it's going to be, like what it's going to be like on that day whenever Christ appears? Now, of course, I think that this question, um, it should spark within us this, this idea and us asking ourselves, are we ready for that day whenever Christ appears? Are we looking forward to that day? I believe that will, will tell us a whole lot about how we are and where our heart is and, and you know, whether we are right with God as to if that day and, and the thought about Christ appearing in all of his glory, if, if that thought scares you, and if you're afraid of that day, then that reveals something about your heart, I believe. Uh, you know, perhaps it might uh, just indicate that, uh, that you need to recognize how great of a day that's going to be. Yes, it, it can be kind of scary in some ways because life as we know it is literally going to change once Christ appears you know, whenever he returns. But yet, when Christ appears, I mean, this is what it was all leading toward anyways. I mean, this is what Christ was talking about. Even whenever Christ ascended up into heaven, that's the message that the apostles were given right there, is that 
Well, the same Jesus that you saw go up in heaven, he's going to come back down. He's going to appear again. Christ appearing and seeing the glory of God. It should be something that is so exciting. It's something that we can hope for. It's something that we can long for, that we can wait for. And we see that there's several passages that speak about that day. And we see that that is also that day is, is related to salvation. Because salvation is not just about right now, though most certainly it is about now, but it's also about that day. That day whenever God appears in his glory. It's going to be a day when salvation comes to us. It's going to be a day when, when all things will be made new. All things will be made right. It's a day that we read about, uh, among other places. We read about it at the end of the book of Revelation. In fact, the very end of Revelation says this. Revelation chapter 22, verses 20 and 21. The last two verses of the Bible, speaking about Christ. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen, come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. This is how the entire book ends. This is how the entire Bible ends. This is the story that starts in the book of Genesis and goes all the way to Revelation. And we see that it all has to do with this, this appearing of this glory of God. This coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we live our lives in such a way that we know that he's already said, I'm coming soon. But can we live our lives in such a way that we say, come Lord Jesus, come. I hope that we can. I believe that's what Jesus wants us to be able to, to say, is that we live our lives in such a way that we are waiting for that day. We are longing for that day. We are hopeful for the day that we see God's glory. Now, going back to the passage here in Titus, we see the, the third thing that we will focus on is this good. Now, you know, sometimes we, we think about things that are good. And, you know, we, we kind of like thinking about good things. We like talking about, uh, you know, good things and all. But whenever we think about somebody doing good, sometimes we look at that and, you know, we, we might even say, oh, well, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they're doing these good things. You know, we might even say, like, there's a, they're a goody two-shoes, which I don't even know where that phrase comes from. But sometimes that's what we think about like that. And, and we just think, oh, well, they're just showing off. And, you know, maybe that's not what we're supposed to be doing. But the Bible constantly tells us we need to be doing good. And now, I mean, it doesn't matter if somebody's going to call you names or whatever. And of course, we don't need to, to just kind of show off and, and do our good deeds to show off. That, that's not what we should do. But we should be about things that are good, things that are pure, things that are holy, that are godly. In Titus 2, once again, I'm going to back up to verse 13 and go on down to verse 14 now. While we wait for this blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. See, that's the connection that, that is made with us, that we are called to be a people. We are called to be a holy people that we are eager to do what is good. We see that this group of people that we are called to be, it says in verse 14 that uh, who gave himself for us to redeem us. He, he redeemed us. What did we need to be redeemed from or, or redeemed because of? Well, if you go back all the way to the time of even Adam and Eve, you remember they had a choice. They didn't 
necessarily have uh, too many wrong choices that they could make. They only had just kind of a couple of wrong decisions that they could make, and they chose poorly. You know, they, they had this opportunity that they had this choice whether or not they're going to choose to eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil. And humanity, we as a whole, we chose evil. And the next generation did the same thing. And we continue to choose evil. But now what we see is this, this redemption is that we can at least partially right now reverse some of these things. He came to redeem us, to buy us back. See, we as humans, we have chosen evil time and time again, but now God has given us through the grace that he has given to us through his Savior, he's given us the ability to choose good. Will we take it? Can we be people who are eager to do what is good, that we will encourage one another to do what is good, and that we will actually do what is good? Talking about how this goes back to the time of Adam and Eve, if you go back even before the moment that sin entered into uh, the world, what you will find is, is this at the end of the creation week. Going back to Genesis chapter 1, the last verse right there, verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And you know what happened the next day. The next day, what happened is God, God rested. He, he set apart the seventh day. He made it holy, and he rested on that day from, from all the labor that he had done, all the work that he had done. Because he saw what he had made. He saw that it was very good. Let us remember that creation was once all called very good. And so now, can, can we help bring back at least part of that being good? Well, I would suggest to you that whenever we follow Christ, we are submitting to what is good in our lives. We are called to be eager to do what is good. That should describe us. It, it needs to describe us. Let's make sure that it does. And finally, one more verse. In Titus chapter 2, verse 15, he ends this, this chapter with this. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. So these things that we've been looking at, you know, we've seen about the grace of God that brings salvation. We've seen this glory of God that we are looking forward to. And we see that we need to be people who are about good things. These are the things that we should teach. See, God's grace, it was never supposed to stop with just us. It was never supposed to stop with just one nation. It was always supposed to, to spill over into all of the other nations. And salvation through God's grace was to be for all. God's glory is also to be experienced by all. And we've also been given this call to be eager to do what is good. But it doesn't end there. It continues on. These then are the things you should teach. So we must do what is good. And we must teach others to do the same things. This is partially at least what it means to be a Christian. Learning these things, following these things, teaching these things to the next generation so that we and the next will always be able to experience salvation now and also in the future. Comfort me, O gentle Savior, hold me closer to thy breast, for I can't go on without thee, you're my God.
See the end.